The restaurant industry is a hot mess, and it's only getting worse. The competition for guests and staff has never been higher. Did you know that the average independent restaurant owner works 60 to 80 hours per week and hasn't taken a vacation in over six years? To add even more insult, the average restaurant scrapes by with just 6% profitability. Statistics show that 50% of independent restaurants that open this year will fail within three years or less because they are not focused on the right things to help them succeed. It's like a dog chasing their tail day after day. But there is an answer. You can learn how to make more while working less in your restaurant inside our elite group called Restaurant Masterminds. Imagine having a network of like-minded independent restaurant owners like you that are tired of settling and want a better life. Donald Burns, the restaurant coach, has put together a program that includes twice a week group coaching calls and 24-7 access to his private training library. You can finally get the resources and accountability you must have to build your brand, strengthen your team, and increase your profits. Head over to restaurantmasterminds.com to join us. Loading in three, two, one. Welcome to the Restaurant Coach Podcast. It's the cure for the common restaurant. Expert interviews, tools, and tips to get you the restaurant you know it can be. Now, here is your host, Donald Burns, the Restaurant Coach. And welcome to the Restaurant Coach Podcast. It is the cure for the common restaurant. So, how are you? How is your restaurant? If I asked you to describe your restaurant's culture to me, what would you say? Better yet, if I asked your team to describe your restaurant's culture, what would they say? Would you be nervous if I showed up at your restaurant today and asked your team questions about how you were as a leader? Or would you feel confident that they would only have great things to say? You know, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. And that requires you to be completely honest about where your restaurant is now as far as culture, product, and productivity. And the four things, the four things that hold 80% of restaurants back are ego, pride, denial, and mediocrity. And I go into detail about each one of these in my new book called Your Restaurant Culture Sucks. It is the third and final book in the Your Restaurant Sucks trilogy, and you can grab your copy on Amazon in either paperback, Kindle, or hardcover editions. And for those who like audiobooks, like myself, my first two books are available right now on Audible and iTunes, and Your Restaurant Culture Sucks is in production and should be available in September. Now, on today's episode, I want to circle back to the one thing that separates the good from the great from the outstanding, and that is, you've probably guessed it already, culture. This training session is from a live workshop I did at Hospitality Innovation Planet in Madrid. So have a front row seat and let's jump into the workshop. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of one thing, one thing that could actually be a total game changer for your restaurant. One thing, could it be more sales? Could it be better staff? Could it be better marketing? Could it be some new trends? Could it be maybe more time for yourself? Think of one thing that could be a total game changer for your restaurant. What is one thing? And here's what you do. When you have that one thing in your head, I want you to raise your hand and say, I got that thing in my head. Put your hand up as high as you can. Hand up as high as you can when you get that one thing in your mind. Right? Everyone got one thing? Raise your hand as high as you can. Right? Now, raise your hand a little bit higher. Oh my God. What just happened there? I said, did I not say twice, raise your hand as high as you could? 
And then, yet, when I said raise your hand a little bit higher, you found a little bit more. Hmm, interesting. Because here's the thing I'm going to tell you about. The number one thing holding you back and holding your restaurant back is you. And the reason why is because you have some very, very distinct limiting thinking about what you can accomplish. We're going to break through some of that today. Now, in coaching, we call that BS. Right? And if you've been to the United States, you know what BS is, right? What does BS stand for? Bullshit. What? Bullshit. No. <laughs> bullshit. No, it's not bullshit. In coaching, we call it belief systems. Man. You guys, are, you guys have been to the United States a couple times, haven't you? I can tell. All right. Here's the truth. And this is a cold, hard truth. And it's something for very people to have a hard time understanding, but it is the truth. All business problems are nothing more than people problems. And it's the honest truth. Today, I'm going to give you some good news, and I'm going to give you some bad news. I'm going to start off with the bad news, okay? Because I like to start off with the bad news, and we'll work our way to the good news. Here's the bad news. Your restaurant is not special. I hate to tell you that. It's the truth. Your restaurant is not special, and here's why. I travel around the world speaking, working with clients. I have clients in the United States. I have clients in Iceland. I have clients in Europe. I have clients in Dubai. I have clients in Hong Kong, all over the world. I have clients in South America, Mexico. All the problems that you have here in Madrid are the same problems they have. They have people problems. They have staffing problems. They have problems trying to get people to listen. They have people that are not motivated to do stuff. They have problems trying to market properly. They have problems trying to get people to follow trends. So no matter where you are in the world, all your problems are the same no matter where they are. So don't think they're all unique and all just think you're special because all problems are the same. doesn't matter where you are. There is, the good news is, there's a combination to restaurant success. There is a very distinct combination. And if I gave you a lock, and it was basically a three-numbered lock, if I gave you the lock and I gave you the numbers, and I said, open the lock, it would probably take you a while to get the numbers in the right order, correct? But if you knew the combination, and if I gave you the exact code, how to open the lock, you could open it every time. Today, we're actually going to go through that combination for restaurant success, and it starts with what we call is the three Ps. The three Ps are critical to everything, and I, same thing I tell you, no matter where I go in the world, I use these same three Ps for every client I talk to. And it breaks it down for you. It's pretty easy. It's people, it's product, and it's process. And we talk about people, product, and process. What exactly does that mean overall? I'll give you the big picture. See, the secret is having them in the right order. A lot of places and a lot of people will talk about the three Ps, and they focus on the wrong ones. Or they focus on the ones down the road or the ones they like. They don't focus on the ones they need to focus on. And when we break it down into different set categories, when I talk about people, I'm talking about performance. I'm talking about training. I'm talking about behavioral strengths. I'm talking about leadership. I'm talking about why you do what you do. What's your mission? What's your reason why? I talk about core values. When I talk about product, we're going to look at culture. We're going to look at menu. We're going to look at ambiance, service, your avatars, your marketing. Who exactly is, is our product geared for? And when I talk about process, we're talking about hiring, operations, systems, communications. How do you guys communicate among your team? Talk about strategic planning. I'm talking about recruiting, marketing, and financial frameworks. How do we run our P&Ls? How do we measure data? How do we measure performance? How do we know what our benchmarks are? Those are all the things. 
Here's the problem with most places. They don't understand that in between these three, there's two small but very powerful things. One is mindset and one is habits. Now, I can have the people, I can have the product, and I have the process without the right mindset to bind the two or the right habits in place. All of it doesn't really work together. And we'll break it down for you. So most restaurant consultants, when they come in, they usually focus on the main one, product, right? And if you're opening a restaurant, you tend to focus right on the product. I need to know my menu. I need to know, you know what my avatar is, my marketing, and stuff like that. And they focus in on product. The problem is that people in process are very important too. And here's the thing. They feed each other. If I don't have the right people in place, they won't go, they won't feed and follow the process. How many people have ever had checklists and you give your, your staff, your team a checklist and they don't do them? Yeah? Almost everybody, right? I give them a checklist. Man, I, I gave them checklists. I gave them all kinds of stuff. I gave them everything they needed. I even went out and bought a fancy software system that they could do their checklist online and they still don't do them. People feed the process. And then here's the other part of it. Process also feeds the people. It's actually a loop. And it's a continuing loop. And if I circle it and circle it and circle it around and around, it actually creates a force field and protects my product, which is very critical. So without these kind of things in these right order, people, product, and process, and each of them feeding each other, I'm not going to be able to protect my product. And here's the thing also, too, is they feed each other. People feeds the product. Process feeds the product. They all work together. And when I have all three, the right combination, in the right order, working in unison, working in synchronicity, where everything works together, what it does is it creates that force field, and it, what it, what's that bottom line we always want to protect? We always want to protect our brand. Because the bottom line is you always protect the brand. All your decisions you make should be bottom line to protect your brand. So a little story time. I like to call this one the tale of three restaurants. And you could also call it, you know, hear no evil, speak no evil, see no evil, if you like. So last year, I got to travel down to Bogota and speak at a conference down there. And the lady who coordinated the conference for me, she had some VIP clients she wanted me to meet and do a little one-on-one -on -one consulting with each of them. So I had three different restaurants. Each one, a totally unique story. And this also tells you that all problems are people problems. So the first one, I like to call kind of lost love. This was a restaurant that had been around for 15 years. They are well established in the market. Have four restaurants. Beautiful, beautiful establishments. The service was impeccable. The servers had been there for at least 15 years. They'd been there since they started the restaurants. The, you know, old school. These guys were, I mean, just amazing. Technically flawless. When they came to the table to serve food, they used French service, the fork and the spoon. They were doing French service at the table. It was amazing. But for everything that looked perfect, there was something missing. It just seemed like they just really weren't excited. They weren't really fired up about getting in there. They weren't fired up about talking about the food. They just became so complacent that they kind of lost that loving feeling. And I really knew where the problem was when the lady who was with me who booked me, the translator, I said, is the owner coming down to meet us? And she said, the owner said he's not coming down. And I said, hmm. So, the owner wanted this meeting, 
came, you know, I came down here to meet with him. I'm here at his restaurant, and he's not coming down to meet with me. Where do you think the problem is? The owner. He lost his love. He lost his passion for what he does. He lost his connection to his brand. Next story. So the next night, we go to another restaurant. Now, this place, I call this one the wrong reasons. This place was, I mean, spectacularly beautiful. It was a father and son. The father had a construction business, did very, very well. He decided that he wanted to invest. He had a huge property, a huge high-rise. He's going to put in this total beautiful food hall on the whole second floor. Fine dining restaurant, bakery, uh, has a charcuterie station, has a, a martini bar with a full grand piano in there that people like, come in and, and they had this exclusive wine list. I mean, Chateau Rufit Rothschild from, I mean, it was so expensive, I, I was even afraid to look at the bottle. I couldn't even afford to look at it. It was that, that kind of expensive wine. It was an impeccable place. Had an art museum inside the restaurant. It was crazy. We sat down, we had dinner, the drinks come out, it is a showstopper. I mean, the guy had stuff in glass bottles, came out, he set stuff on fire, the flames shot up, the drinks were just spectacular looking. The food was the same thing, spectacular presentations, huge platters, everything, just like a real, just a real artistic flair. But when you tasted it, it just lacked something. It didn't have the connection. The food just fell short. The presentation was beautiful, but the problem is you can really look great on paper, but when you put it in your mouth and you don't taste that excitement and the same thing, it falls flat. Now, the son who basically ran the restaurant, he was really trying to come out of his father's shadow. His father had this huge multi-million dollar construction company, very, very successful. The son was trying so hard to outdo his father, or actually to prove to his father he could do it. Did he really love it? No. Actually, I, actually, he did meet with me and sat down. And all he talked about was his father and how he's trying to, to show his father that he can do this and how he can you know, make this thing better and bigger and stuff like that. Better and bigger is not always better in the long run, especially when you don't have, you're not doing it for the right reasons. He was doing it all for the wrong reasons. He was doing it to prove somebody to somebody else instead of trying to prove something to himself, which would have made him really passionate about what he did. He would have been able to fire up the team. They, even actually, they actually even hired a chef from Spain to come over and consult with him and do the menu for him. The chef was never there, but <laughs> again, you know, I brought in this chef from Spain to help us consult in the menu. I've got all these plates are handmade. They're beautiful stuff. But again, there was just... It just fell short. Beautiful presentation, flat on execution. And then the last one, I like to call this one authentic passion. Now, this was the last night I was there, third night. It was a small little place that was getting ready to expand as a chain, small family-owned chain. They did chicken. They did kind of a wood-fired chicken on a rotisserie. And the thing was, the place was small. It wasn't really fancy. You know, the decor was very minimal. They made everything themselves. All the tables were handmade by them. The decor was everything you could tell they did it themselves. But when the food came out to the table, it was served on a big wooden tray. It was all cut up nice. The person, when they brought out, they explained the food, they explained the flavors, they explained the sauces to me. 
And it was really, really well, well executed. And you could tell the guy really loved what he did. And he told me the story about his brother, who was an engineer, designed this huge kind of cool rotisserie thing that went over around these two bins of charcoal. And they came up with this really cool thing. They patented it. And they were going to really, they were going to revolutionize. They said they wanted to change the way people eat chicken in Bogota. I was like, man, that's crazy. That's amazing. That's exciting. And then when I tasted the food, I'm telling you, it was amazing. It was just, just the flavors just popped in your mouth. And it was like, they, and they was just, it was all finger food. There was no utensils. And then I'm like halfway through my dinner and I noticed something really unique because I was with my translator, my, you know, the lady who booked me. I noticed one thing. We had been there probably about an hour, hour and a half, and neither one of us had picked up our phone to look at our phone. We were so just immersed in the experience that we didn't even look at our phones. How many times have you been at restaurants and you see people all the time on their phone, on their phone, on their phone, right? It's a constant thing in our thing. Our industry is full of distractions. How great was it? And then I looked around, and, and I was, okay, maybe it's, just, maybe it's just me. But I looked around the dining room, and there was all kinds of people eating too. And again, nobody was on their phone. Not one person. Everyone was ex- just basically really enjoying the experience. And that is really just captivated me and really hooked me. And it really got me thinking about one thing. The moral of the story is this. If your restaurant is always with heart, if you have a restaurant with heart, it always wins when combined with solid business practices. A restaurant with heart and solid business practices will beat out the competition with no heart every time. I would go back to that third place every time I'm in Bogota over those other two restaurants I went to. Even though the other ones had huge budgets, huge design, beautiful places, I will go every time to that third place. Because you know why? They made me feel like it was, they were feeding my soul. It wasn't just food. They were feeding my soul. It was awesome. I loved it so much. It was so incredible. I cannot, I cannot underemphasize that enough. If you are not in, you know, right in love with your business, you need to fall back in love with your restaurant again. You need to fall in love with the reasons why you do the things you do. Because that is the thing that's going to save you. That is the thing that's going to pull your restaurant out of mediocrity, out of average, and take it to that level of what I like to call outstanding. In the middle is all the, great, all the good restaurants. And I've said this before. Good is the new standard. Good is average. Being good sucks. You don't want to be good. All the restaurants in the market are mostly good. You want to make sure you get outside of good. You want to get to that level what I call outstanding. And only 5% of restaurants in the market are what I consider outstanding. They have a connection with their reason why. They have a great culture. They also really understand exactly why they're doing it. Simon Sinek once said, he's a great uh, uh, person, he said, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. So I was fortunate. Ava invited me to come back, and she gave me this whole track, a thing called Agenda USA. So I was well, I'm very fortunate. I have, I have uh, f- three other speakers from the United States with me, and we are going to talk about some things over the next couple of days. Remember I asked you, what was that one thing that could really be a game changer for your restaurant? Whatever it is, these guys have the answer. We're going to talk about marketing. We're going to talk about culture. We're going to talk about team building. We're going to give you some tools and techniques and some ideas that can take your restaurant from where it is now to where you really want it to be without holding yourself back anymore. 
So one of the things that we're going to talk about is when we came over, we were talking about some of the big trends for 2019. I'm going to give a little overview of it. Andrew Freeman is going to talk a lot more about trends tomorrow. He is like the expert, and I'll give a little bit more bio on him. But I'm going to talk about some of the big trends in the United States right now. One of the big ones we see is story marketing. Marketing has, I hit, I think it's really hit a plateau. And the reason being is that story marketing is the only way to break through. You need to tell the stories. Remember when I told you about that third restaurant I went to and the guy told me the story about his brother and how he invented this you know, rotisserie thing? It's just, it was a great story. Story marketing is where it's at. If you're not telling stories with your brand, you are not marketing effectively. You're basically just posting the same standard bullshit as everybody else. Okay? You're posting the same pictures of food. And granted, there's some great food pictures out there, but unless I'm really hungry, food pictures don't really do it for me. I want to see pictures of people. I want to see stories. I want to see video. I want you telling me why you did the things you do. So a great story. Maybe, uh, you know, I traveled, I traveled down to Havana, and there was this guy, he made this mojito, and I asked him about it, and he said, well, you know, I take this, and I take a little torch, and I, I just kind of burn the, you know, the mint leaves a little bit to kind of chard a little bit, and then I muddle it in the glass, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's really great. So now, I, you know, when I go back, and I have to do it in my restaurant, and I kind of burn the mint leaves, and that muddling thing, it just takes me back to Havana, where I had that mojito. And I'm just like, that's a great story. That's story marketing. Tell the reasons where you came up with the dishes. Oh, it was like in the kitchen one day, I was just playing around, and you know, I asked my sous chef for you know, cumin. He grabbed cardamom by mistake, and he threw it in the dish. And I was like, oh, no, cardamom, that's not what I wanted. But I tasted it, and it tasted better. So then that's the way we started adding cardamom to our dish and stuff like that, because it had another layer of flavor. That's story marketing. You know, I was at my restaurant and then, you know, these, this couple came in and the guy was really nervous and he wanted to propose to his girlfriend. And so I helped him out and, you know, I got a special dessert for him and stuff like that. And we put it inside the dessert and it came to the table and he was like, she was reaching for it, but she was reaching for the wrong one. He's like, no, 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 grab this one, grab this one. That's story marketing. Tell stories with your marketing. Tell stories of why people should come to your place. Because if you don't tell me why you're different, I assume you're like everybody else. And when you're like everybody else, you don't have a brand differential. If you don't have a brand differential, there's no real reason for me to come to your place unless it's just convenience. You don't want to be a place of convenience. You want to be a place, a reason people come to you. And that's what you really want to drive home. The next one is what I call mentorship. Mentorship's really... Now, in Europe, mentorship has been around for a while. In the United States, it's just starting to hit home in the United States. Mentorship is a great thing. We have great trades, and we have great skill sets, and we can take somebody who doesn't have any skill sets or somebody at an entry level, and we can mentor them and train them. Mentorship, if you don't have a mentorship program in your restaurant right now, you are missing out on the opportunities to get better people. Because people, especially the younger generation, the millennials, and even the up-and-coming Gen Z, they want to learn. They want to be invested. They want to grow. They want to have some kind of career track. If you can show them, I can take you from here to here, being a sous chef or a chef, you got them now. If I can mentor them and take them along a path to improve, if I could take you from being a server and then saying, well, we have a training program here, we're going to take you from a server, then we're going to move you up to maybe some a bartending, we're going to move you up to some wine classes, maybe sommelier classes, and then we're eventually moving up to like floor manager. If you can show me a path of progression where I'm invested in your restaurant just as much as you're invested in me as developing and growing, 
I'm going to stay a lot longer. Because if you're not investing in your people, your people will not invest in you. There's an old saying, as they say it all the time, people don't care, care how much you know until they know how much you care. You have to invest in your people. You have to have a solid training program. And you also want to get to what we call a learning culture. A training culture, most restaurants in the United States have training cultures. Training culture is this. You come in, you start your first day. Hey, I'm Donald. It's my first day. Awesome, Donald. Uh, fill this paperwork. Look at this manual. Uh, follow Brian around for three days. Do what he does. Say what he does. And then you're on your own. Okay, great. So I follow Brian around. But what if Brian's in a bad mood? Well, Brian's not having a good day. Now Brian's like, oh, oh God, I got another kid around. I got to train him again. Oh, here we go. It just, you know, just here, do this and this and stay out of my way for a while. I'll come back and get you. All right. So now I'm like standing there by myself. Don't do it. I'm doing it right or wrong. They gave me a knife. I don't know what to do with this thing. You know. So make sure you're investing in your people. You want to get to what we call a learning culture. Learning culture is where you are constantly teaching, growing, developing your team. The internet is full of information. Sometimes too much information, sometimes false information. You want to do is you want to be able to take some of that information and hand it out to your team. And how do you basically show your team a leadership culture is you become the leader. And you become a learning culture by taking that and showing them. Hey, I got this book. I really loved it. I want to share it with you. I got a couple copies for everybody. Hey, I saw this blog post online. I thought it was really great. I read it. I loved it. I made some copies for you to read. Hey, I'm going to HIP. I'm going to go uh, sign up for some seminars. I'm going to take some notes. I'm going to talk back and talk to you guys. Or, better yet, I'm going to bring one of my assistants with me. Bring a sous chef. Bring a manager with me. Hey, we're going to HIP. We're going over to Madrid. We're going to learn some really cool stuff. We're going to look at some cool product. We're going to get into some seminars. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to ask you for some feedback. I'm going to ask you what you thought was valuable. Now you have a learning culture. That goes with mentorship. You want to invest in your people. Third-party delivery. I know third-party delivery is probably just making it here, right? Some of the third-party delivery apps. I think we were talking to Ramon, who owns a restaurant here, and he said it accounted for like 70% of his sales already is third-party delivery. If you're not under the delivery bandwagon, you need to get in delivery. Now, the thing about delivery you got to be careful of, you got to make sure the food transports well for delivery. Not everything on your menu is going to be good for delivery. So when you're doing delivery, you've got to really take a hard look at some of the items that you want to put on your delivery menu and make sure you adjust your menu so those items travel well. Nothing worse than order something from a restaurant, and it gets to the place finally 20, 30 minutes later, and they open it up, and they're like, oh, that was terrible. It's all soggy. It's all mushy. Some stuff doesn't translate well for third-party delivery. So when you do this stuff, make sure you have a very, very specific kind of focus in mind that I want to make sure my delivery menu is the stuff I know my team can knock out of the park that can sit in a container for 20, 30 minutes and be okay when it gets to somebody's house. But you got to get on the, on the delivery bandwagon. Where are some of the delivery companies here? Uber Eats is it? Uber Eats is here? You know, the funniest thing we saw at the airport was a sign that said, Uber in Spanish is Uber. I was like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that was the funniest thing we saw. But third-party delivery, you got to get into third-party delivery. Do not let yourself, do not let, be left behind. And there are even some restaurants that are going into, and I know some of these guys are going to talk about stuff, we call ghost restaurants. You ever heard of ghost restaurants? Ghost restaurants is like a restaurant that has basically, they have a kitchen or a commissary, and they run four or five concepts out of that for delivery only. 
like no overhead. It's pretty cool. Like no no staff, pretty much just kitchen guys. You know, I'm doing enchiladas. I'm doing you know Spanish tapas. I'm doing Italian food. I'm doing Asian food. All out of the same kitchen. It's pretty cool. And then the last thing, you want to be able to do more with less. As costs go up, in the United States, we have a labor crisis in the United States. I don't know how bad it is here, but the United States, they're raising the minimum wage a lot higher. So as wages go higher, restaurant owners have to be a little more creative on how they do business. And that's basically come down to doing more with less. Some of the cool stuff here, you guys are way ahead on a lot of that, you know, the science of cooking, you know, sous vide, and a lot of the stuff. I saw a couple great booths out there with really cool equipment that can actually allow a kitchen to produce more with less people. That's where things are going. You've got to be able to do more with less. You've got to become more efficient and effective. That also becomes down to doing more with less as being a better leader by managing yourself better, understanding your time management. Where's my time going during the day? I don't know how many times I hear leaders all the time, oh, I'm just so busy. I'm like, doing what? Take me, take me through your day. Well, you know, I come in, I grab some coffee, I go talk to the chef for 20 minutes, and then I go and check my emails, and then I get on Facebook, and then I go get some more coffee, and then I go, you know, walk around a little bit. Oh, and then I got to make sure I, you know, look at the wine order. Okay, and then, and then I get ready for service. I talk to the managers. Well, then I go back to the office, and I do some emails, do some more Facebook, you know, and then these people who tell me they're so busy, when I really look at their day, they're not really busy. Well, let's put it this way. They're busy. They're not effective. You, you can fill up a whole day doing just random, you know, monotonous stuff. But the things that really are going to move you forward are critical to your success. I have a key phrase I do, and I actually, I put it on wristbands for all my clients. It says, what's next? And I make them wear this all the time. Because <laughs> all I want them to do is just think about what's next, what's next, what's next. And I even have them take their phones and I have them put on alarms on their phones every three hours. Alarm goes off and says, what's next? So I make my clients just get in this mode all the time. What's next? What's next? What's next? Am I focusing? Am I doing stuff that's moving my business forward, moving my brand forward, moving me forward? Or am I just being busy? If you ask yourself better questions, you're going to, find your, you're going to get a lot better results. It's the truth. So I always ask you and I challenge you, ask yourself better questions throughout the day. Are you focused on things that are important and moving your brand forward? Or are you doing things just so you look busy to the team? Stop looking busy. Start being productive. Start being effective. Start being efficient. It's a great word. What's next? Whenever I take over a restaurant and I come in and I do training, I'm just constantly like a parrot to everybody. What's next? 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 Till they finally start coming to me. And I know I got them trained really well. I know I got them brainwashed. When I'm basically in the kitchen or I'm in the dining room and they walk up to me and go, what's next? And I'm like, gotcha. Got them brainwashed. How do you brainwash your team? You constantly repeat stuff over and over. How, how many times when you were a kid, your parents like, no, 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 don't touch that. Don't touch that. Don't do that. No, no. And finally you learned what word? No. Right? When you're a toddler. See, <laughs> your parents didn't know, and they always get mad. You know, all my kid does is tell me no all the time. Where do you think they heard it from? You telling them all the time when before they were three, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. And now they say it back to you. Now you're mad. So why don't you brainwash your team the right way? 
use words like, what's next? What's next? What's next? What are we doing next? What's next? What are you working on? What are you doing? What's next? Andrew, what's next? Right? What's next? What's next? Brainwash your team to the way you want them to perform. Remember I talked about those two little subliminal things between people, product, and process? Mindset and habits. Habits make and break restaurants. Every time. I can tell you right now, I've seen a lot of restaurants and I can tell just by talking to the owner and watching their kind of day unfold, the owners and managers and leaders, I can tell what, if they're on the direction for growth or down just by some of the habits they do. Your habits tell me exactly. Your words, you, know, you, can, t- you can tell me all day, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Your words tell me what you say you're going to do, but your actions tell me what you're willing to do to get it. How many people say all the time, oh, I need to lose some weight. Oh, I need to lose weight. I need to drop some weight. Then I, then I say to them, did you go to the gym this morning? And they go, oh, no, didn't have time this morning. You know, oh, no, you know, I'm on the road. I can't, tr- I, I can't go to the gym. I'm on the road. I work out every day if I'm on the road. Even here, at the, even here in Madrid, I always make sure I have the hotel I'm staying at. Does it have a gym? I'm good. I'm happy. So doing less with more means doing more with yourself, managing your mindset, managing your habits, training your team and watching their habits. Because I'm sure if you like, really went around and watched some of your team just kind of working, they got some bad habits you got to get rid of. Breaking habits is bad. It's hard sometimes, but you can do it. Boom. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Coach Podcast with Donald Burns. Tune in next time as we serve up more ways to maximize your potential. Visit our website at www.therestaurantcoach.com or download episodes at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify.